Thank you, sir. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Our time is short. Dr. Getch, faculty, staff, thank you very much for the warm welcome. The room has been incredibly amazing. All of you have been very kind. Matthew chapter 17. I want you to read with me verses 17 through 21. Out loud, if you could, please. I know that most of us are half asleep. Three quarters through the semester will make you pray the Apostles' Prayer. 17 through 21, if you could, please. 1, 2, 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, Long shall I suffer you. How long shall I be with you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured that, that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I'll be honest with you. As Brother Montana, when we were at the Long Beach Conference, Brother Montana, what's the school's greatest need? And he said, faith. Some of you men are in the homiletics class. You might have to change your message or whatever's on your mind because if what you're preaching doesn't meet the needs, what you're preaching is useless. Father, I pray for the student body that you help me not to say anything that the Holy Spirit does not want me to preach or say, or anything that would not be an effective extension of the ministry that you've given to Dr. Chapel and Dr. Getch and the faculty and staff here or of my family, or of the Heritage Baptist Church. I pray for anointing of God that only you can give. Not something that we work up, but something that we must pray down, Lord. Thank you for working in my heart about this message. And I pray that you use it for your name's sake and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is a really embarrassing passage. Nine out of twelve of the disciples of Jesus who've, Jesus who've accompanied him for three years, who've seen the miracles and they've even done a few miracles themselves, are completely unable to cast out a demon. Now, fortunately, they got this right in Luke chapter 10, because the Bible says the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. I mean, uh, between Ma Luke 9 is a parallel passage to Luke 17, so uh, Matthew 17. So after this passage, they got this right. Praise the Lord. And I thank God for a God of second chances. Some of you think that this school is a little strict. This school is a school of second chances. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of mess ups that happen, but you know what? They got that right by the time Luke chapter 10 came around. They were able to cast out some devils after that. But you know what the statistic tells me? It's a very disturbing one. Assuming that three quarters of the graduates come out of this school, they will be unable to do that which is necessary. Did you know that casting out demons is not just impossible, it's necessary? 
Did you know that moving mountains just like that, it's not just impossible? Did you know that it's necessary? Beloved, I'm afraid that we are in a ministry environment of people who are doing that which is easy instead of that which is necessary. This is what is necessary. 75% of ministry workers will be unable to do that which is absolutely necessary for two reasons, fasting and repentance. I want to be careful how I use the word pray because a lot of people pray, but their prayers aren't getting answered. A lot of people mutter some vain words, they, they slog their way through Bible college, through their church ministries, but they're not getting a hold of God and God hasn't gotten a hold of them. I'm going to be very specific in how I use the word pray today. I'm going to use it in the context of fasting and repentance. By the way, these Hillsong type of churches are not talking about fasting and repentance. Some of us who are, the internet is your pastor, they're not talking about fasting and repentance. Let me tell you how biblical fasting and repentance is. Jesus did it. John the Baptist did it. Peter did it. Paul did it. John the Apostle did it. We're in pretty good company, I'd say so. 75% of us in this room will be unable to move mountains or cast out demons, not because we're, we aren't smart enough or spiritual enough or gifted enough or conservative enough. Thank God that we haven't dropped the standards and, you know, going open t-shirt all the way down to here and, you know, mini skirts or anything like that, but that's not how demons are cast out and mountains are removed. And it doesn't help that one of the twelve is not even saved. Assuming that this statistic is true, 8% will go full Judas on the ministry of our Lord, denying the Lord who even bought them to begin with. How many people are in this room right now? About 600. Do the math. 6 times 8. There will be probably about 48, 48 people in this room who either betray the ministry of the Lord because they aren't saved or because they totally disagree. They've got unconfessed sins and bitterness they're unwilling to let go of. And that's their other reason why they will be unable to cast out demons or move mountains. I want you to go on a tour with me from a tour that I did in San Francisco to, for my sister's birthday on October 13, 2018. And as I was driving through San Francisco, this thought came to my mind. If demons cannot be cast out and mountains cannot be moved but by prayer and fasting, which is the ultimate exercise of faith, what in the world makes you and me think that we can go into an impossible ministry environment without fasting and prayer? Come with me to San Francisco for a minute. Did you know that San Francisco was the founding place of the Church of Satan? Anton LaVey became an anti-theist because the men who were at, Saturday, at, at Sunday, night revival me, Sunday morning revival meetings were also the same men who were at the strip clubs on Saturday night. And some of you guys will never be able to cast out demons and will never be able to move prayer or move mountains because you've not allowed accountability into your phones. By the way, girls, just a thought. I've only been married for three years, but if a guy won't say no to his stomach, guess what else he won't say no to himself? Come with me on a tour to San Francisco as we go up and down Interstate 880, and billboard after billboard is advertising Free and legal marijuana. That's the influence of the demonism here in this state. Come down with me to the BART stations where we preach and give out the gospel. 
and people who have literally lost their minds. They're unable to string two words together. They smell terrible. They're on drugs. Some of you guys who don't like your Greek, do you know what the Greek word for drugs is? It's the word pharmakeia. Witchcraft. The word for witchcraft in your Bible, your beloved King James Version Bible, is the word pharmakeia, where we get pharmaceuticals. This drug use and abuse is brought by none other than Satan himself. The, higher, the, the darkness that is in the high places in this state. Come down with me as we preach the gospel on the streets and knock on people's doors. And the angry homosexual who slams the door on your face. The, the people, some of you who speak Spanish. You go and knock on doors with me off of Fruitvale Avenue and you run into the Brujeria and the Santeria out there where they practice that witchcraft mixed with Catholicism, invoking the name of the Virgin Mary. They've got all kinds of demonism problems down there. It's an antichrist spirit. Some of you come from the Bible Belt to this state. I'm sorry that you had to come out here and deal with the demonism here. But it's not ministry until it deals with demonism and moving mountains, and it deals with something greater than you and I can ever call upon. Come down with me to Oakland, where people get shot all the time. Come up to me with San Leandro, where the liberal movement is, I can't even go into a public school holding a Bible into my hand. Or else I'd get, called, I'd get the police called on me for fear that I'd be trying to brainwash their children. Hey, some of you make fun of Dr. Weaver's classes. Character, character, character. That's the reason why you won't have any. Dr. Weaver, I remember something you said a couple years ago when I was in Bible college. Clean brains are good. I don't mind a little Bible brainwashing if it makes you and me like Jesus Christ. I can't even walk into a public school with my Bible in my hand. I have to throw it into a backpack. That's something I'd expect in communist China. Now, luckily for me, most law enforcement agents, even if they're not Christian Baptists, fundamental Baptists like us, they at least have enough God-fearing and respect that they're not going to yank me off the can. He's carrying a Bible. Come on, man. He's not stoned on drugs. But this is the kind of demonism that we're dealing with in this day and age. Young people, teenagers, college students that are experimenting with sexual practices that are warping their minds with drugs and everything like that. Look at this demon possession that is in San Francisco. It's happening because maybe Christians aren't fasting and praying. And until we fundamentalist Christians fast and pray, we will have no faith to change our ministry environments. We just got done with the missions conference here. But I tell you what, in an area where I have to speak three languages if I'm going to effectively minister to only half of my community, you cannot do your ministry here without fasting and prayer. This is what we need. No amount of training can replace faith that is brought by fasting. I'm thankful for my four-year degree. I'm thankful for the lives of men like, like this gentleman over here and the, the faculty and staff that have poured out decades of their lives. But you know what? No amount of book learning can replace faith that is brought by fasting. Do you believe? If you do, what are you not willing to give up? I'm not asking what are you willing to give up. I'm asking what are you unwilling to give up? I want you to notice with me the first reason why fasting is not commanded. Letter A, because there are inherent dangers to it. If you are diabetic or elderly, if you are pregnant or nursing, I do not recommend that you fast. 
If you do a lot of physical labor, if you're a construction or, or heavy lifting, you may have to reschedule what you do, okay? If you operate heavy machinery, if you drive a vehicle for a living, I would be careful about that. And if you're an athlete here for the college, you may have to, oh, it's inconvenient. Did you realize that biblical ministry is never convenient? Did you realize that? That's the reason why your classes start at 7.30 in the morning. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. But second reason why fasting is never commanded is because it's a dare. Aside from one obscure passage in the book of Joel, it's a dare. Hey, Revelation chapter 4, come up to me. Come up hither and I will show you things to come. Did you realize that every time you fast, if you ever go on a fast, you are daring God to do the impossible through your life? Do you know why, why so many of our generation will never see the impossible? Because we don't like doing the, the, the biblical dares. Oh, we'll do some stupid dares. I mean, I'm I blessed to think about some of the things we did back in Bible college, okay, that were, that, were, that were hilarious. But I'm talking about a biblical dare. Missionary Bob Hughes to the Philippines once said, Get out on a limb! That's where the fruit is. And a lot of people are afraid of taking risks. They'll take all kinds of other risks. They'll ruin their ministries. They'll go on drugs. They'll, they'll flirt with, with, with people outside their marriage. But you know what? Where are the people that are going to take some biblical risks? A biblical dare. Come up hither and I'll show you the things which must be hereafter. You know, when you fast, it's a dare. Hey, God, I'm about 40,000 calories behind. Can you help me do my work? Hey, God, I don't have any more messages. I've already preached every single message I know from the book of John. Can you please give me another message? When you fast and when you pray, beloved, you are daring God. You're not tempting God. You're daring God. To tempt God is unbiblical, but to dare God is very biblical. I'm calling upon this generation of loser millennials like myself, because that's what everybody says about us, to do the impossible and dare to do the impossible by fasting and praying. Think about it for a minute. We don't have anything to offer the generation around us until we fast and pray, until you offer your blood, your sweat, and your tears. Now, I want to give you some reasons why you shouldn't fast. Why you should not fast. Letter A, you should not fast to get something from God. What? I thought we were supposed to come boldly before the throne of grace. Yes, you should. But I want to turn your prayer life upon its head for just a minute. We're not supposed to pray to, to get something from God. We're supposed to pray for God to get something from us. You know how many selfish, you know how many selfish prayerless there are? Like God is some kind of Santa Claus. I know it's Christmas time, and I hope that, some of you, that we all receive gifts and, and get gifts. But do you realize how many people treat God like he's some kind of big Santa Claus instead of the I am from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3? Do you realize how many people, they think they can create God? Let me help you with something. Truth is not something that we create. We can only discover. We can apply it. We can use it, but we cannot create our own truth. And yet, if you come up to, with me to the Bay Area or any of our modern cities that is influenced by demonism and covered by this mountain of unbelief that the false Christianity has put among us, do, I mean, people have such a false concept of who God is or isn't. 
Isaiah chapter 6, woe is me, for I am undone. We don't come to God seeing what we can get from him. How about we come to God and say, Lord, what do you want from me? And guess what he wants? All of it. Number two, don't fast if you want to lose weight. I know that we're in an age of fad diets. I mean, a couple years ago it was P90X and then insanity. I don't even know what it is. Whole30, whatever this stuff. It's crazy. It's fad dieting. And by the way, a lot of what's built upon Christianity today and all the Christianity we see on the internet, it's all fads. It's not going to be here. It's like bell bottoms. It's going to be gone. Okay? If you're skinny, go ahead and wear, your, wear whatever. Okay? But look it. I am not advocating that you go on a fast because you want to lose weight. This is a spiritual exercise more than it is a physical exercise. By the way, the irony behind fasting is that it's not fast at all. The longest day or three days of your life is when you are without food. Every minute counts. It is one of the most psychosomatic disciplines you'll ever practice. Your body, as you, are, as you have removed food from yourself, your, your mind literally inflicts pain upon certain parts of your body because it's, it's trying to get something, anything, to eat or drink. If you're here to, for weight loss, don't do it. You're going to quit after a couple hours. Let us see, don't, don't fast because of perceived health benefits, even though there are a few. These aren't bad reasons, but they aren't biblical reasons. Look it. There are tons of reasons why we do things, okay? But the reason why we fast is not to be healthy in our bodies, but to be healthy in our souls and spirits. We live in a day and age where there is so much emphasis on the body. Half-naked people on advertisements, fad diets, weight watchers, gym memberships, whatever like that, and those are all good, okay? We ought to take care of this temple. This temple is, this, this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But the first reason for fasting is not so you can lose weight or for health benefits. Letter D, we don't fast to show off everybody everything about it. You might tell your parents, you might tell your pastor. Okay, I have a few spiritual leaders that I tell. But don't go telling everybody about it. We're not supposed to tell anybody about it. It's like humility. The more we talk about our humility, the less of it there, there is. Because we live in a show-off society where everybody's on the fit test. Fit, what's that? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. There's nothing public. You know, the irony of our society is that people are complaining about privacy laws and they're posting half-naked pictures of themselves drunk and stoned or you know, doing something unbiblical or unethical right on their Facebook, Instagrams, and Twitters. I don't get that. We're not supposed to do what we do so other people can see us. Do you realize that if the Apostle Paul were to stand right here in this pulpit, half of you would be asleep? Brethren, when I came unto you, I came not unto you with excellency of word, of word or speech, but in the power of God. You read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. There's a lot of talk that's happening in our Christianity, but when you fast, you'll be so tired you don't even want to talk. We're not supposed to go off and show off to everybody about what we do. Jesus publicly reprimanded the hypocrites who put ashes upon their head and tore their clothing and wailed in public. You might tell a few people, the people who are most trusted in your life, but not everybody. Beloved, I want you to notice with me thoroughly the results of no fasting. The results of no fasting. 
the results of no fasting in our day-to-day ministries. Hey, beloved, did you know you don't need food to live, you only need it to survive. You know what's the problem with our Christianity today? A lot of people, they're surviving, they're not living. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh, that proceedeth out of the man of God. You know, a lot of Christians do their job, they just do what they're supposed to, but they don't fulfill their calling, what they need to do. The difference between a ministry and a job is this. How much faith does it take to operate it? I realize that there are other degrees than pastoral or evangelist. I recognize that fact. But let me help you with something, beloved. People don't get saved because I play my violin. And they don't get saved because I fix the building, even though it helps attract people to come. They get saved because of the preaching of the Word of God. Now let me help you with that for just a little bit here. In our day-to-day ministries, the millions of Christian workers wake up, they get themselves ready, they slog through a half-hearted attempt for what they would call devotions, they fulfill a couple of religious tasks, and they go home as if nothing happened. That's not a ministry, that's a job. Let me tell you about an Israelite king who did his job instead of his calling, King Saul. King Saul was a donkey chaser from the day that he was anointed until the day that he died. Why? Because of his disobedience and because of no fasting. I'm afraid there's a lot of donkey chasers in ministry, in fundamental Baptist ministry, because of this very fact we have people who are unwilling to deny their bodies so that God can have access to their souls. Hey, what are you doing, beloved? Is it a job or is it a ministry? How much faith does it take to operate it? How much fasting does it take to operate it? You say, well, Brother Justin, you don't understand. My preaching ability is not very strong. Well, brother, like everything else in life, you grow at it. By no means am I a skilled carpenter. I mean, I just picked up my first couple of circular saws in the past year, okay? But just because you're not good at it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. By the end of a fast, you'll be wishing that your fast could go longer because you're, you're just so, what is God doing? This is crazy. My Bible reading is coming alive for the first time in my life. If that's not happening, beloved, what you're doing is a job and it's not a ministry. Look at lost people go to their jobs. They come in high on weed. They come in drunk. They come in having messed around all night. They come around having gossiped and slandered and backbitten all their, all their friends and family and coworkers. But you know what? They're not doing a ministry. They're doing a job. Hey, beloved, God did not call you to a job. He called you to the ministry. Man, he called you to preach. And if he didn't call you to preach, he called you to assist the preacher. And you need to learn everything from these men here and from all the faculty and the staff that are here. God did not put them here by accident. Look at 40 to 50 years in the ministry doesn't happen by accident. You seniors who are here, mark my words, two, it, the, the average shelf life of a staff member is two to three years. You and I are no exempt from this. The reason why there is no commitment to anything in the society is because no commitment unto God through prayer and, and through, through repentance and fasting. You commit to a three-day fast, I guarantee you could probably commit to a, a three-year commitment for wherever you're serving. And I hope it goes longer than that. We're, we don't help trees grow by uprooting them and planting them in new soil every single day. They've got to stay rooted. Beloved, I want you to notice with me the results of No fasting in our preaching. 
During my time here at West Coast, I don't remember any messages that were preached on fasting, especially during student revival. Do we still have student revivals? Okay, a form of it, okay. What, what's it called now? Student prayer revival, okay. You know what we would have during student revivals when they would have uh, students who would come up and preach? I'd hear a lot of talk about revival. I'd hear every now and then talk about repentance, prayer, hard preaching, fundamentalism. Yes, we need all of these. But how about fasting? I never heard a single message on fasting about that. Maybe that's the reason why my Christian life was a little bit arrested. You know, it's unfortunate the last real emphasis I heard on fasting was last year in Manila with Dr. Chapel, Dr. Martin, Brother Unruh, Pastor Fong, and Tim Rule. And it's unfortunate to say that a lot of times when we talk about fasting, it's mentioned only in brief as a one-liner in our messages. Do you know why we have no revival and no repentance? Because of no fasting. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Beloved, let me help you something. This is a fundamental Baptist culture that's filled with conferences. I can't say it's always been filled with, with revival. Why? Because of a lack of fasting and repentance. Hey, beloved, don't excuse activity with productivity. Just because you spent a lot of time doing something, what did you accomplish? There's a lot that happens in Christian ministry or so-called Christian ministry that is very active, but it's not productive. You want to make your prayer life productive? You need to fast and pray. In fact, I, I shouldn't command you to fast and pray. I dare you to fast and pray. You want your Bible college degree to stand for something four years after this, after this message is preached? I dare you to fast and pray. Some of you men, you want to know what is God's direction in your life? I dare you to fast and pray. You want to know what God wants you to preach? I dare you to fast and pray. He'll give you the message that you need. Mark my words on that. Do you know why California remains unchanged in spite of all the churches, both good and bad, that are here in this state? No fasting. The Christians here in California, we are so similar to the world. Little wonder we, have, we, we fail to influence the world and repent for Jesus' sake. We're going to go home in a couple weeks for Thanksgiving break. But just because it's a break from school doesn't mean you take a break from being a Christian. And by the way, you'll have to make time for, like everything else in life, you need to make time for fasting. You schedule your appointments, you schedule your dates. Guess what? You'll have to schedule your, schedule your fasting if you, want to, if you want God to do it in through your life. There's no faith in worldliness, beloved. Worldliness is simply copying what everybody else is doing. And the reason why our Christianity is oftentimes so dead or so powerless to change people's lives is because we're not fasting and praying. Hey, it doesn't take much faith to copy what's on the internet, what's on YouTube or Facebook or Hillsong or whatever people are following. I don't even know what people follow these days. It takes more faith to fast because there's a possibility that you could die from that. I'm calling upon the student body to do not that which is easy or that which everybody else is doing. Everybody else is doing that. I'm calling upon you, beloved, to do that which is impossible. I heard we just finished up our missions conference. Did you know that in our missions movement, there's a lot of things that are not done by faith? Dr. Godfrey, I think you'd agree with me on that. I haven't been around as long as you have. But there's a lot of people who are passionate for people. Hey, you know what? A love for the people is not going to keep you on the mission field. Because when the difficulties and the backstabbing start piling up, your first thought is, I need to get out of this place. I'm tired of being part of a movement 
where people go on deputation for two to three years, they, learn the, they struggle with the language for two years, and then they leave the field. I'm tired of seeing that. I'm the one who handles the missions correspondence at our church. Just this past year, in January, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Brother Justin, we had the awesome privilege of terminating seven missionaries. And we think that one billion Muslims, one billion Chinese, one billion Indians, two billion Catholics are going to get saved upon their own. That sister who sang the special number, what's your na- where, where's she at? Where's the sister who sang the special number? I saw her last name. Where's she at? Is she here this morning? What is your ethnicity? Indian? Sri Lankan? Sri Lankan. Terry Unruh is my friend. I love Terry Unruh. One billion people in South Asia, one billion Muslims, they're not going to get saved by themselves. I'm not saying that the mission field is the only place where God is working. I realize that. But I'm tired of being part of a movement where we are losing laborers because the laborers have never learned how to discipline their bodies. I'm tired of being a part of that. I'm tired of seeing people get an emotional passion, but they're not moved by the commission. Gil Lorena, my friend out in Tagig City, one of my mentors. A lot of people that are working today in the missions, it's because they're moved by emotion and not by commission. You know what your commission is? Fast and repent a little bit more. Do you know how Peter got a Gentile ministry? Fast and repent a little more. You know how Paul got a Gentile ministry in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Fast and repent a little bit more. Some of you want to go to an easy country because you think that the people there love you. I challenge you not to go where it's easy. I challenge you to go where it's impossible. You want to go there because the people love you? No, go where it's impossible. Don't go where you're loved. Go where you're needed. Go where you're needed. It's easy to go where we're loved. That's the reason why we start church. That's why people come to churches. But I am challenging this student body. Don't go where it's easy. Go where you're needed. Some of you want to interview with an interviewer where the perks sound nice. It sounds like an easy place to minister. Don't go there then. You need to go where you're needed. If you speak Spanish or Tagalog or whatever language or Vietnamese, whatever you're doing, what in the world are you doing not using the gift that God has given you? Well, I'm not really called. Brother, the moment I learned Spanish, I was already called, I was already commanded to reach those people. The moment I learned Mandarin Chinese, I was already commanded to reach those people. You have no excuse to not reach those people whose language you speak. And you think they're going to get saved by some other means. Are you crazy? Where's the faith in that? I dare you to fast and pray for our missions movement. I dare you to do that which is necessary. Finally, beloved, our time is short. I want you to notice with me the blessing of fasting. You're going to have a renewed prayer life. You're going to have answered prayer requests, depending on what, if you ask for, is in the will of God. The greatest tragedy in this world today is not because of unanswered prayer, but because of unoffered prayer. And because so many of us do not put fasting with our repentance, do you realize how many things are just, how many requests go unasked because of a lack of fasting in our generation? 
when you offer up your body unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, here's a time period in which I'm going to withhold from food. And do you realize what God wants to do through this generation? Through a bunch of useless millennials like ourselves? Do you realize what God wants to do here? Do you realize how many people are getting saved in foreign countries and they just need someone to help disciple them? And yet no one is going because no one's fasting, repenting, and seeking the will of God? You have a deeper understanding of the Word of God. Let her see. Hey, letter D, noon sermon series. You cannot use someone else's sermons forever to write your Sunday school material. You've got to come up with your own fresh material. Hey, milk a lot of cows but make your own butter. That's true. But I'll tell you what, you cannot use someone else's curriculum forever. Some of you men, you're going to, be, you're going to serve on a pastoral staff someday. You cannot use some curriculum forever. This right here needs to be your curriculum. And the only way you're going to go deeper into it is if you fast and repent unto God. The Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. Trust me, I've got enough sermons in, in my Dropbox to last me about six months to a year, depending on how many times I preach. You want new sermon series? I dare you to fast and pray. You want great ideas from the scripture that will help your Christian life, that will help the young people in your youth group, that will help the elderly people in your convalescent home? I dare you to fast and pray. I dare you. I don't command you to fast and pray. I dare you. You are dealing with a power from God on high that you will be unable to contain or control. But letter E, beloved, When you fast and when you repent, you will receive greater anointing from the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about charisma or charm. That's what you see on televangelists. Big hair, flashy suits, you know, smiling from ear to ear. Total conscious of John the Baptist, right, Brother Gray? (laughs) But what we need in this generation is a generation of people who are anointed. We know the Father. We know the Son. But let me ask you, how many of you know the Holy Spirit? As if the Holy Ghost was the forgotten member of the Trinity. As if the Holy Ghost was the silent member of the Trinity. He's not silent. The Bible says the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter days some shall give heed to doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Denying even the Lord that brought them. Forbidding to marry. Forbidding abstaining from meats. Doing all, and that's what we have up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, don't eat meat. Here, you should marry someone who's the same gender. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4 right there, brother. And the Holy Spirit is the one who testified of that. The Holy Spirit is the one who said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work which I have unto them. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Beloved, you know what's the best resume that you could ever have? the Holy Spirit upon your life. If you're trying to do your ministry in your own power, you have no anointing. That's the reason why you have no results. That's the reason why your bus kids are still carnal. That's the reason why none of your bus parents have ever come to church or gotten saved. That's the reason why we will go to our children's ministries or whatever ministry, our youth ministry, whatever we're dealing with, and there is no tangible results of people, hey, Brother John, do you want to come without me soul winning? You've never been before in your life. Look at. do you think the Holy Spirit would lead people contrary to what the Bible says? And the only way we're going to get that is if we fast and if we repent.
I dare you to study your Old Testament and find me an Old Testament prophet where the word of the Lord did not come to him or where the Holy Spirit did not come. You know, it's very interesting. In the Chinese Bible, uh, there's, there's a couple errors in it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate everything out of it, but the Chinese version of the Bible is very interesting. The way that they translated the Holy Spirit moved someone literally to push that guy forward, to push him forward. And the reason why so many people never go is because they're not pushed. Go is not the first commandment in the Great Commission. Get filled with the Holy Spirit is. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth was, is the first commandment before go ye. Ye shall receive power before ye shall become witnesses. And the reason why so many people are lackluster soul winners, the reason why they will knock their, tw- their, their 15 doors and do no more is because they're not moved by the Holy Spirit of God. You want to get moved by the Holy Spirit of God? I dare you to fast and pray. Go is not the first commandment in the Great Commission. Get filled with the Holy Spirit is. If you are going to the mission field without the Great Commission, you're going on vacation. I don't have money for vacationers. I've got money for missionaries. Great anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Our time is short. I don't know how long or how often the Lord is moving you for this spiritual exercise. But if our Lord himself thought 40 days was so important. And by the way, if you think the devil stopped tempting Jesus those 40 days, you're wrong. Every single day the devil tempted him. Only three of those temptations are recorded. Moses did it twice. Elijah did it once. By the way, it's a four-day four journey from Beersheba all the way down to Mount Horeb where Elijah was. He spent 36 of those days wandering. So it's possible to, to go on a fast and still be carnal. Elijah, what are you doing here? He could have just said, I'm afraid of Jezebel. And by the way, there are Jezebels in our ministries, which is why a lot of men leave and they are afraid. Did you know something? In spite of the fact that Elijah fasted and prayed for 40 days, God didn't take away Jezebel. Did you know that? Did you know that the time that people disrespected Moses the most was after he fasted and prayed 40 days? If you think that fast is going to bring you some kind of respect from people, no, it won't. It's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. We are made the filth of the world and the off-scouring of all things, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You know what the, what the Christianity of this uh, is like today in this world? It's like what I just scrubbed out of the bottom of the drains this past week in preparation for our Thanksgiving banquet. Filthy. But you know what? We have here no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The purpose of fasting and prayer is not to gain favor with men, but to gain favor with God. Whose favor do you want today, beloved? Well, I want the girl that I'm crushing on to like me. Well, brother, you got to shave a little bit more and fix your hair and pull your tie up tight and lose a few pounds, I don't know, but, you know, and get some character. But I'm talking to a generation of people. We need the favor of God at the expense of everything else. If you say, Brother Justin, I believe, bless God, I'm from God's country. I'm from whichever part of, you know, the country. We'll recognize it when you can deny your flesh up to seven days at a time. Have faith in God. I dare you to fast.